Good morning, church. How great and pleasant it is when sisters and brothers can dwell together in unity. I am excited to be here with you all this morning. I was glad when Reverend Sarah called and said, hey, Pastor Chris, can you come and preach for us? I won't be there. Joyce won't be there. But David will be there. He'll be a zombie from the retreats, but he'll be there. I'm like, that's cool. Um, I'm love that, I love that David is here and he's back. We've been friends for a good while, so um, the hospitality has been fantastic. And I was reminded, I have not been in this sanctuary. I walked in here like, hmm, I have grew up in this presbytery and I've never been in here. So I'm glad to be here for the first time. I also bring you greetings from Salt and Light Church in Southwest Philadelphia, uh, where I'm serving as executive pastor, and also from The Commonplace, where I am executive director of this not-for-profit that is there to serve, support, and walk alongside our community in Southwest Philadelphia. So again, I bring greetings. Let us pray. Lord God, we thank you for this day, Lord. We thank you for this time and opportunity that we are um, here in your presence, O God. God, I pray that you would open up our hearts and our minds, that you would take the words um, that have been given, O Lord, written on this page, lift them up, O Lord, that they might touch us in a new and different way, that we might walk out of this place differently than we've come in. Speak, Lord, for your servants are listening. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. When I was asked to preach today, I, I realized that you're going through a few series of topics on why. Why Jesus? What God's why? What, what, what is our why? What, what is the communal why? What, what is going on? Why? And as I thought about these why questions, I was taken back to my children always asking me, Daddy, why? Daddy, why? Why is fire hot? Why is ice cold? Why do I have to go to bed right now? All these why questions, and then we never have answers to. It's like, I don't, it's just hot. Just don't touch it. Like, it it's cold. Just eat it. Like, just, just do it. And then eventually, children get a little bit older, and they begin doing weird and crazy things, like opening their eyes up wide and just holding it there and just looking at you. Son, why are you doing that? I don't know. They just do things. And often, the questions of why... Beyond being a child and talking to children is rarely even asked. We do a lot of time focusing on the what, the how, even who's doing it. But we rarely ask the deeper fundamental questions of why, that next level question, that next level thought. In our text this morning, we are with Paul and he is at a moment in his ministry where he has done most of his traveling, going through all of these churches, Ephesus, Galatia. He's been, these, been to these places, and now he's taken a boat, and he's shown up on the shores of Miletus, and he is wondering, why do I have to go to Jerusalem? He is there, and he calls and asks to speak to the elders of Ephesus. Who then come and he has these long drawn out conversation telling them, you know what I've done for you all. I've been with you. I've loved on you. I've talked about the gospel. I haven't shrunk in the work that we've done. I've been truthful. Yet, there's some hard work that I have to do now. 
I have to go along here to Jerusalem, not sure if I will live or die. I'm sure as the elders were sitting around listening to him talk about how much they loved one another, they were trying to convince him, no, you actually, you don't have to go. You don't have to do this work at all. Listen, you can come back home with us. You can live with us. It'll be just fine. You live out the rest of your days preaching the gospel. We'll take care of one another. It will be perfect. And they weren't wrong. It would have been great. But Paul had something else working on his heart. That he couldn't just let it go. He couldn't just set it aside and just say, you know what, I'm not doing that. But no, but the text says that Paul mentions, I am now a captive to the Holy Spirit. I am a captive to the Holy Spirit. That, that text kind of stopped me right there in, the tra- in my tracks. As I was thinking of why Paul felt like he had to make this move, why he had to go and do this next thing, he actually was telling us, I really don't have a choice because I am a captive. And I was reading the text and looked up this word captive, like as we do as pastors in the Greek, like what are we talking about? Captive, it doesn't sound positive. Who wants to be a captive? I don't want to be a captive. Sounds like you're forced to do something against your will. But then we find other words around this, this Greek expression of understanding. And it's also called, they also say it's bound. So I am now bound to the spirit. Which changes the conversation a little bit. Because when we are now bound to someone or something, it's almost like we've done it together. I I am now bound with God. We are one together. So I can't just leave the situation because we are in this. So now I must go because the spirit is taking me there and I am bound to this work that I have been called to do. Trust me, if it was up to me, I would go home with you. Trust me, if it was, I would love to sit back and eat dates and figs, hang out with you all day long, talk about the gospel, go from house to house, talk about how good Jesus is and all that Jesus has done, how I was knocked off of my donkey. Like, I can do all of those things, but no, I am bound to go to Jerusalem where I may die. Being pushed and called to do a thing when we are bound It's very different when we think we're doing something for someone. You see, if Paul felt like he was doing this for God, he could then divorce himself from the relationship and his compulsion to actually do this work as well. Let's talk about this a little bit. What does it mean to do something for somebody, right? That means you want it. You desire it. You, you need something, and I will say, all right, I'll do you this solid. I'll do you a favor. I'll do this for you. We actually sometimes have this idea in the church as well. We're going to do ministry for God. We're going to love on other people for God. We're going to do God a favor. We're going to do God a solid and do all that we do. We're going to come to worship for God. But wait a minute. Is it for God? Does God need us to worship? Because I believe rocks will do that in our place. Does God need us 
to do the ministry of the church? Is it all for God? Because if it was just for God, then we expect something back in return. We're expecting back some gratitude. God, you know what I just did for you, right? Come on. You heard my prayer. Bless me now. I was in VBS every day with those kids, Lord, all for you. Bless me now, Lord. Come on. I did you a favor. Now it's your turn. You see, how we think about our relationship with God matters. Are we bound to God? Or are we doing something for God? Where do we sit? When I was in college, I went did my undergrad at Drexel University. And, yeah, my man right there. And, uh, and I... I I felt like I was a bit of an overachiever trying to do a lot of different things at the same time. So I was in college. I was in Air Force ROTC. I had two jobs. And I'm doing all of these things. And I'm like, man, I'm doing a lot of good stuff. Until there was one day I woke up. And I was supposed to have class about 12 in the afternoon. But I stayed at home. I didn't live on campus. And and I came down the steps and my parents were sitting there and I just began to cry. My mom asked me, Chris, what's wrong? I, I didn't really have the words in the moment. But then I began to say, I am doing all of these activities. I'm doing all these things to make you proud. That's when my parents finally heard that I was not living this life for myself. But I was doing it for them and their approval. And let me tell you something. When you are doing something for someone else, it is not sustainable. Because your four will run out of fuel. Your four will get tired. You're for someone else says, you know what, I just I don't want to do it anymore. I'm just done with it and walk away altogether. So many pastors walk away from the pulpit because they burn out in their minds from doing the gospel work for God. But in that moment, my mom said, Chris, you can stop all of it today. You don't have to do any of this right now. What do you want to do. In that moment, I heard my mom and I heard her approval of saying, find out what you need to do for you. Why are you looking to do any of these things? And from that moment, it was in that time, I knew I needed to change my life. I needed to do a few things because Up to that point, my whole career of anything I was doing was for my parents. High school, how I went about it, trying to be the top of the class was for my parents. Working, everything was for my parents, who I thought. Until I had permission to reevaluate why I was where I was. Sometimes we need permission to stop and to ask God, why am I doing this? Why am I here? About four years ago, I walked into the pulpit to my congregation. We started a sermon. And the first thing I said is, why are you in church today? Why are you here? And they looked at me like that look you're giving me right now. Like, 
really? What, what, are you, what were you trying to do? Have them all leave? But I really wanted them to think deeply because many folks come to church because it's routine. We come to church and we gather because, oh, I've been doing it all my life. Oh, my parents did it, so I'm also here now. Or it's the only place where I really get to get out and see other people, so I, I come here for that. So you know what your why is or what you think your why may be. But too often our why and why we come to these places and why we gather is not because we're bound to God. But it's for other things. So if you haven't heard it before, I'm challenging you today to ask, why, why am I here? Why do I bring my children? Why is this important to me? Why is this important to the world? In 1968, Dr. Martin Luther King, he did his last sermon in Memphis, Tennessee. He delivered this speech to support the striking sanitation workers at Mason Temple. And it was this day where he said these words. Well, I don't know what will happen now. We've got some difficult days ahead. But it doesn't matter with me now because I've been to the mountaintop and I don't mind like anybody. I, I would like to live a long life. Longevity has its place. But I'm not concerned about that now. I just want to do God's will. And he's allowed me to go up to the mountaintop and I've looked over and I've seen the promised land. I may not get there with you. But I want you to know tonight that we as a people will get to the promised land and I'm happy tonight. I'm not worried about anything. I'm not fearful of anyone. My eyes have seen the glory of the coming of the Lord. He was assassinated the following days. This speech tells me similar to what we just heard Paul say. That all I want to do is God's will. My why is bound up into who God is. We can't begin with trying to find who we are and why we are and why we come to church and why we come to this place if we don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. We can't find our why divorced from God's why. You see, there has to be an alignment happening when we are bound together or when we are yoked with Christ. Because Y'all heard that before. That means we are going together in the same direction, in the same place. We can't be yoked and go separate places. So my why has to be in alignment with God's why. Else we're not aligned at all. Does that make sense? So, so when, when we begin to try to find out why we are here, and, and I love sitting in new members classes and, and being with new members because they always have that question is, is, what do I do? How can I get involved? But then I'm like, okay, a number of things you can do. But why here and why God? And those questions will begin to have them put their hooks into what it is to really be 
a part of this household of faith. Because when you just begin to work and do the thing, you get tired. And then, you know, we always famously say, you know, church people will always keep asking the same people over and over and over again, do the same things. And so, you know, I just don't want to do church anymore. Why? Because they keep asking me to do the same thing over and over and over again. But until you can say, you know, I I can't do that anymore because I've been called to do a particular thing. I found out my reason, my why, and and what is going on in this world that God is calling me to. Then I, I have made a commitment to God and to myself. For what it is that I need to do and why this work here is important to me. So at the Commonplace, I have a plethora of responsibilities, as you can imagine. Um, come down sometime. I invite you. You can see all the work that we do. But one of the things that I do is, is gather folks and we talk a lot about um, why we do the work that we do in Southwest Philadelphia. And, and, and how much we would love for folks to engage us and mission work, and giving, and all of these things. But before we go any further with how you can come on down, I first want to know, what about this world breaks your heart? I always ask that question first. Because just like coming to church and folks always asking, then you always got to be a part of a thing, and then it's the same thing with me. I want to know what your why is. Because we have to be yoked and aligned together in order for it to make sense for us to walk alongside each other and support one another in the faith work that we're called to do. If we're in a space and we're not doing work and we're not doing the support and doing the job that that is aligned up with your why, that is absolutely fine. Godspeed and go find that place that you connect with where you can do the work God has called you to do. However, though. I still want you to think deeply about what about this world breaks your heart. Because until we really, really adjust our minds and and our hearts to what's going on inside of us, what what bothers us in this world? Is it it homelessness? Is it it abuse? Is it what, what, what is going on? Is it environmental issues? Whatever it is, wherever it is, if it's breaking your heart, truly believe that it's breaking God's heart too. And then you can have that bounding conversation with the Lord. God, this thing in this world is really bothering me. I have to understand what is it that you desire for me to do and what are you doing? These are legit questions that we can ask. We have to go back to that childlike flair and ask God, why? Just like why is fire hot and why is ice cold? God, why are people dying? God, why is there war? God, why? Do not be afraid to ask the question. Because God is not afraid to answer you. But just know as we ask these questions and we're asking the why, God may also ask you to do something about it too. We don't just have the luxury to sit back and say, I have a bunch of armchair questions, God. Why are these things happening? No, Maybe you need to get involved. Maybe what's happening around you is happening because you have not committed 
to the work of Jesus Christ. I'm not asking you to be a captive today. Because again, I don't want to be a captive either. But I'm asking you, are you willing to be bound? Are you willing to be bound with our Lord Jesus Christ? Are you willing to be like Martin Luther King just a little bit and say, I just want to do God's will? You know, God, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I I just want to do God's will. When we begin to bound ourselves and truly understand what our why is, it will fuel us. We will keep on going. You won't get tired. When the hard times come, you continue pushing through. Because it is not you who are carrying you through the difficult times, but it is the spirit of the living God that carries you, that speaks peace to you. That gives you the big heart. And when folks don't understand, how do you have peace in this situation right now? Oh, it's not my peace. But it's the peace of the Lord Jesus Christ. So as we close. And I know you all have been doing this question thing every week. I'm going to ask you today. What about this world? Is breaking your heart. What about this world? Not just annoys you a little bit. Not just you wish, you know, if they just change that, we'll be all fine. No, but what about it is truly breaking your heart, which brings a tear to your eye, which disturbs you to the place where you can't sleep. And if you're like, you know what, I don't know what that is. I haven't really thought about that. I don't have that answer. Then I'm asking you then to make that be your prayer tonight. Lord, shake me to the place where I am disturbed about the thing that should be breaking my heart. Help me not to be complacent about evil in this world. Shake me to my core, God, so that I may align my will with yours. Lord, bind me to your will. Thanks be to God.